Welcome to Archery Talk 101 podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals and reviews of the latest gear and equipment and much more. Well, for the recording to start. Hey, we're going to talk about how your host got started in archery. Hi, my name is Roy Canterbury, and I'm your host today on Arch Talk 101. And I'm going to tell a little bit about my story. I know we've had a lot of uh, interviews recently talking about everybody else's story and how they got started. And, you know, I've mentioned a few things in some of those podcasts, but, you know, I thought now might be a time to, um, you know, let you know my story uh, and how I got started and, and how I come about having this podcast as well as this group. Now, I started uh, with a recurve. It, it ended up being a 25-pound fiberglass recurve, a Ben Pearson one. I got it in the mid '60s, and I I started. I don't know why I started, but I just wanted to shoot a bow and got started. and And I just uh, used a target it was a cardboard box I stuck full of cardboard, uh, uh, and then that's what I shot into. And you know, now that the, the tar cardboard targets, you know, the laid horizontally, she so shoot into the grooves. Now I had mine the other way. I just shot into the side of the cardboard. You know, didn't know any better. I started with that and I shot that for many years. Um, then I set it up to do some bow fishing. And, you know, by the way, I still have that bow. Uh, it still has the bracket I had to make to, in order to mount the bow fishing reel on it. Uh, you know, back then you just basically uh, tied a string to the back of the uh, fishing arrow. There, The fiberglass arrows had a hole in the back and you draw back and you got to be careful because you got that big loop and, you know, it can catch on your reel, everything else. You know, they come with a whole lot better deals since then. But I use that, you know, I still have the bow. I, don't, I won't string it because, you know, being, you know, 50 plus years old, uh, I wouldn't trust it to drop back at my splinter. And uh, right now it's worth more to me as, uh, uh, you know, as just a, a keepsake than it is as a bow to shoot. Because I have a recurve now if I want to shoot. Uh, in fact, the bracket on there is so small, I don't think I can get my hands on it anymore. And uh, so I shot that for a while. And in this 70s, my brother bought a compound bow, a bare white tail, uh, too. And I took that and I shot that at, at school for a little while. And, and then eventually I decided to get my own bow. And I went up to one of the, the local shops at the time uh, and said, you know, I wanted a bow. And they brought this, she brought this bow out. It ended up being American Challenger. Uh, they got bought out by High Point, you know, story a little bit later on on that. But uh, uh, she gave it to me. I drew it back. She says, how's it feel? It's like, I didn't know any better. I was like, feels good. Uh, ended up being a 32-inch draw length is what it was set for. I'm not 32-inch draw length. I'm 29 and a half. So I was drawing two and a half inches longer than what I should. Uh, you know, and I shot it for many years that way. And uh, you know, shooting that long of a bow, you have a tendency to catch your arm uh, once in a while. Uh, with that bow, I was out hunting and all of a sudden, you know, being too long, uh, I shot at this deer and it, the string caught my arm. I heard it hit my arm and, uh, you know, fortunately I got the deer, but it was not a good shot. Uh, it was it was one of those that uh, actually hit it in the back leg and caught an artery, so it, it still bled out. But still not you know desirable um i shoot muzzies and it the muzzy didn't care it was a bone uh, there's there's only one bone in one spot that arrows don't go through and that's up on the shoulder uh, other than that you know that broadhead you know ribs was nothing bones with nothing to it uh the shoulder blade as long as you didn't hit that big hard spot on there that went through just fine and then uh that bow there uh, one year you know, I did like a lot of do. I go out and, and a couple weeks for a shoot for hunt season. I'm going to, um, you know, shoot my bow, get it all, make sure it's all sighted in, get all ready. Uh, you know, now, you know, like to shoot a little bit more than that. But uh, so I'm, I'm down at the range. I was in an archery club at the time. And, you know, this was, you know, in the early 90s, I think sometime. And I'm down shooting. And I'm trying to adjust the sight to get it sighted in, you know, which it shouldn't have been off by that much. And, and I'm so I'll shoot five arrows and go back, adjust it. 
shoot five arrows, adjust it some more. Shoot five arrows, adjust it some more. It's just like every time I'm shooting, I'm adjusting it. So I says, you know, what's going on? So I decided I'm going to go up real close to the backstop and shoot and see where it's at. But so I was about 10 yards to the backstop. I drew back. And when I shot, I'm holding the bottom half of the, the bow. It split. It broke. The top half comes back and smacks me in the chest. And back then, it was one of those poured magnesium risers, which wasn't near as strong as what they were, you know, you know, as, as they are now. Um, you know, so it broke. So now I've got a week to get me a bow before season starts. So I go out to, you know, a different shop and end up with my first PSE. And I had that for many years. So I got that all set up and went out and was able to, to shoot. And, you know, everybody has their own, you know, hunting stories. And back on, on some of my hunting stories, uh, when I first started bow hunting, I didn't have anybody to show me what's going on. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, we just went in front of mine. We, my neighbor that I grew up next to, we, we'd go out and we'd find a place to go hunt. And, you know, we wouldn't see anything. And back when I started, if we seen deer prints in the dirt or in the mud, that was a good day because that meant there was deer in the area. Uh, you know, we didn't know how to look for them, how to find them, anything. You know, it's not like nowadays, so there's a lot of good information. And, you know, then it got to a little bit more hunting. And then it was a good day when we seen a deer. It might be in a field 300 yards away, you know, or driving in, see one running in through a field. You know, now at least we've seen deer. And, you know, back then, you know, in, in Nebraska here, we had two tags is all we could get. You could only shoot two deer. Uh, archery was either sex, either a doe or a buck, antlered or non-antlered, because uh, sometimes, you know, bucks don't have antlers and sometimes does might have an antler. Uh, you don't know until you've actually killed them and flipped them over. And so we didn't really have a lot of a lot of deer like we do now. We have a lot more now. And we'd go out and finally we got a little bit better at it, a little bit better at it. And, you know, now there's so many safety gear. You know, I remember climbing up in a tree and standing on a branch with really nothing there. And, um, you know, so I wanted something. So I actually tied a rope around my waist. You know, probably not the smartest thing, but, you know, back then we didn't really know. And there wasn't much out there, you know, to, you know, we we knew better. You know, we didn't know any better, and you know, lucky we survived. But uh, um, you know, then we get out there, do more hunting and a little more hunting, and and now we're getting where, you know, we're seeing deer while we're in a tree stand. I mean, I get a shot, uh, but now we're seeing deer, and you know, it's a lot more exciting. And I remember the first year that come by that I actually had a shot at. There was some uh, grasses kind of in front of me that was. Um, you know, I was up in a tree stand and the grasses weren't, you know, over its belly, but, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I don't have a shot. So I didn't take the shot. And actually I did have the shot, but not knowing, uh, you know, that's why, you know, nowadays it's important uh, to, you know, help out people that are, uh, you know, just starting out. And that's kind of what I'm doing here with this channel, you know, the, the podcast, Arch Talk 101 podcast. Uh, because you know everybody thinks beginner beginner classes are 101 uh, that's where all your your classes start with 101 um you know sometimes 100 but 101 is more the traditional you know first class <clears throat> and then i formed the uh, um, arch talk 101 facebook group kind of the same thing we're not helping out beginners you know i want to pass on my knowledge that i've gained over the the many years uh to you know new archers and even experienced archers so now after that bow broke, uh, I had, uh, because um, uh, High Point had purchased American. Uh, so they sent me a bow. Now I was thinking a 32 inch drawing. So they sent me in what I thought I was at the time because I didn't know. Remember, I, I hadn't learned, you know, how to correctly shoot a bow or how to even size one. You know, so this is still you know, late 80s, sometime in the end when I got that new bow. And of course, I had lots of trouble with it and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, finally, I just I just traded that one off. Uh, and that's when I got my first PSE was, you know, because of that. 
um, you know, I had that PSE that, you know, when it broke, I just got rid of that bow because I, you know, I didn't like it. The, the way it come in, uh, the stickers, when they put those on, they were falling off and because I mean, new ones. And, you know, they're just, it's just kind of, uh, you know, I didn't like high point at that point because of the stop. So now I'm shooting my first PSE. And finally, I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm shooting that for quite a while and not really knowing what's going on. And then I'm still using 32-inch trial length. Now, if you know, 29 and a half, I come back to the corner of my mouth. And 30, two more inches, I'm back by my ear. You, you know, so I'm, I'm really pulling back quite a ways further because it's two and a half inches longer than what I should be shooting. And about 95 it was. Um, I'd been hearing, you know, a little before that, I've been hearing about this back tension release where, where you don't actually pull the trigger. And I'm thinking, it's like, well, how do you know what you're shooting if you don't pull the trigger? Now, I grew up shooting firearms. In high school, I was on a rifle team, you know, for three years of high school. And you use the tip of your finger to squeeze the trigger. And, you know, I'm forgetting, it's like, that's the way you shoot the bow, right? It's got a trigger because I use a, a wrist strap. And, um, you know, once I got to there and, you know, the first bows I was using fingers, I used those for a long time until they started getting newer bows and shorter. And then my ring finger would go numb. Uh, so that's why we had to go to release. And, you know, at this time in 95, when I got a chance to go to uh, a class to learn how to shoot, uh, NFAA was teaching a class and I attended that class. It was a three-day event. Uh, Friday night, you go in Friday night and Saturday night and Sunday night, I think it was, or Sunday afternoon. I forget now, It's it, that was in 95. So uh, many years ago, I don't forget exactly the details on it. But I go in there and the, the guy says, uh, we're going to check your draw link. He looked at me and, and my draw link and says, you're 29 and a half. Now my bow's set for 32. I'm 29 and a half. And he says, you need to have your bow set at 29, 29 and a half inches for Saturday night. Or there's no reason for you to continue the class because you can't teach it to shoot correctly or at that point, you know, shoot better technique uh, if your drawing's too long. So I'm spending all day Saturday getting, getting different strings, you know, because those bows then you could just turn a module, you know, or change module. It was more, more fixed. So the only way to shorten your draw length was you had to get a shorter string. So I'm getting shorter strings and longer cables and just, I got it, I got it down to 29 and a half uh, so that I can continue with the class. And then I started learning how to do this. And, you know, one of the things we did was shoot with our eyes closed. There's like 20 of us or something like that in the class. And we're standing, oh, maybe five feet from the target. And it's one of those cardboard ones. So, you know, fortunately with aluminum arrows, they don't stick so bad. The carbons into the cardboard targets, they're hot enough. They, they get hot enough, it melts the glue and they kind of stick to us as you pull them out. So we're always putting soap or something on them. Uh, so we're, we're shooting with our eyes closed, going through, shooting your eyes closed. And then you'd lean forward, grab your arrow, pull it out, shoot again, lean forward, grab it, pull it out, just keep doing that with our eyes closed until we could feel the proper technique that he was teaching us. Then we'd open our eyes. And you know, that form just went, went to crap as soon as we opened our eyes. So now we're closing our eyes and then open them up. You know, shoot your eyes closed and shoot your eyes open until you finally felt the same thing, your eyes open. Now you got to realize there's no target. There's nothing to aim at. It's just all form. And one of the things you learn in doing that, going through that process is what it takes to help somebody else. Now, one of the things that might be for a little bit later in the way I teach is um, in 94, I think it was, or 84 rather, I started taking um, martial arts. I took Hapkido. And we have a lot of a lot of different things to do in there. It all works, at, you know, body mechanics. Uh, you know, the, you want to direct your force directly through your target, and a lot of things there. So when I learned back tension release, you know, I didn't really correlate the tool initially, but I did after a while. So I'll get into that a little bit later. But one of the things that um, I learned from there is, you know, how to do that, and then. You know, not as much as the why, but that I kind of figured out the why once I got a little bit more into it. And then um, he had um, uh, the Bernie Palatier, I think was his name. 
he had something to develop called a camp punch for your releases. And so this thing you put on there, so you can't actually pull the trigger. You know, you, you have to use, you know, your back tension where you, you pull through it and, and it, it fires it. I don't know how it worked, but um, I never got it because I was able to learn how to do it. Now, one of the things that, you know, was teaching in, uh, you know, for firearms is use the very tip of your pad of your finger to, to fire, to pull the trigger on a firearm. Well, on a bow, you don't want to do that. You want to come back to the second joint, clear back there, because you don't actually move your finger. You know, the process of pulling through with your back muscles actually fired it. That was a whole new concept for me that it was hard to understand, uh, you know, until I finally learned it. And then now once you learn it, it's like, oh, it's a whole different world. Um, you know, there, there's a whole different thing in there. I can do a whole class just on, you know, just a couple of aspects of, of shooting. And, you know, if we have interest in that, you know, just let me know. We can do a class on that or something. But, you know, once I got into there, now then I'm shooting better. And, you know, I remember when I first started going to those things called the 3D shoot, um, you go to the 3D shoot. Now, for those that are listening that know what they are, you know what I'm going to talk about. But uh, those that don't, what it is, is you have a, a course set up, either indoors or outdoors. Uh, where there are a bunch of foam animals, different shapes, like you might have a deer, you might have a coyote, you might have a, a hog, you might have a javelina. Um, there's all kinds. Of, now there's so many more animals out there. You have dinosaurs and all kinds of stuff. You know, when I first started, there was just the basic few um, targets, you know, the basic ones people would hunt for. And so I remember my first outdoor shoot, I think I had six arrows eight arrows with me i forget how many i had and you know back then we're shooting car uh, aluminum arrows not the carbon uh that was so early enough that carbons really weren't out yet and i uh i started off shooting and i'm figuring the first shoot by the time i'm a few and i'm already down a few arrows because i they missed the targets completely they're out in the tall grass you look a little bit for them. If you don't find them right away, then I'm not holding up, you know, all day looking for an arrow. And, and I'm hoping I can make it through the 40, 40 targets and still have arrows left. Now, that's how I started out. That's how, how basically bad I was at, at judging yardage and executing my shot. Uh, one of the things that, you know, when I first started doing that, I hadn't learned back tension release, you know, because I started fairly early on those. And then the more I shot, then I'm getting through... And now I'm finally making it through the whole course with the same with the same arrow. I didn't lose any arrows, you know, and that's that's a big point there, uh, you know, big point there. And then once you get to that point, now then my next goal was to get at least an average of eight on all the animals uh, because, you know, you have your five ring, which is a bad hit, you know, absolutely terrible hit because now you have a wounded animal. You're eight and you're 10. You know, they didn't have 12s at that time, but eight in your 10s is your is your kill zone uh, on your target. So I wanted to get an average of eight. So then finally I got to the average of eight. And, you know, one of the funnest things that we did was a uh, um, buddy of mine, um, Randy, um, he's died since, since then. But uh, we, uh, we'd we go out and we didn't care where we ended up in, in the scores because that's not why it was out there. We was out there. Uh, you know, which one of us did better today? You know, it's one of those things where, okay, I beat him. I got to give him crap on the way home. The next time, maybe he beat me. He got to give me crap on the way home. So it's, it's just a matter of, you know, it didn't care. We didn't care who won because we're all out there trying to just having fun. And, and that's the thing about the 3D shoots. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I I shoot target spots to develop my skill. Uh, so that I can know I can hit something that I'm shooting at. And I, sh I shoot the 3D targets to help me judging yardage. And you get used to judging yardage and you kind of figure out what's going on. I know I've talked about this before. Um, you know, your angle, everybody shoots up or down and says, well, you got to shoot, uh, you got to shoot less yardage. You got to shoot lower. And well, yeah, and no, because you got to figure out what it is. And I know I've talked to this on a couple of other podcasts, you know, that you know, carpenters all know a three, four, five triangle is a right angle. And you have on your triangle, you have your three side, your four side, and the angle between those two points is five. And that gives you a right angle. And when you're in a tree stand, 
you're up right angle out. So you want to look at the distance the trail is away from the base of the tree, not the angle, because that's that's not right. But uh, you know, we've gone over that a few other times. And you get used to judging yardage. And then, you know, here a couple of years ago, I finally got me one of these things called a rangefinder. And it has the angle compensation in it. So, you know, it says, you know, okay, on that case, if it's a three, four, five triangle, you're up 40 and you're out. And it's the trails over 30. The range is going to say, okay, the true distance is, is 50. We're going to shoot it for 30 because it'll tell you, okay, this is the angle you're going to shoot it at. You're going to shoot it for 30 yards. And unless you're like straight down, um, you know, there you could have trouble with some of them. But if you're if you're out, you know, five, 10 yards, you don't really need a range finder. It's those close ones that you got to figure out. And that's where you need to go through and do a lot of shooting to figure out how your bow acts at five feet, 10 feet, 15 feet, you know, you know, and, and you're 20 feet, you know, you go in there and, it, you know, all those short ones, because, you know, where the arrow is, is the mouth, where your sights are, it's your eyes, and they do not line up until they auto ways. So you may have to shoot a lower pin. Uh, so now... Uh, throughout the years, you know, I I do a bunch of shooting, and then, you know, I finally got to where uh, I retired, and I was doing some uh, affiliate marketing, and one of the the groups I was in, they um, uh, went through, and I was learning how to create courses, you know, which I did create a, a course on uh, online course on uh, how to shoot a bow. Uh, I'm not doing a lot with that, but anybody interested, I can always you know help you out. I've helped a lot of people out over the years. And one of the things that this said was, who would volunteer to do a podcast a month? And I said, well, I'll do one. And I was like, and then he says, well, who'll do two? And I said, well, I'll do two. And then I'm thinking, what am I going to do it on? I, I said, I'll do two. What, do on what? Well, what can I talk about all day long? Um, well, archery. <laughs> So I decided I'm going to do a podcast on archery. <laughs> so I started out not once a month. I did them once a week. Started out once a week. And I started off with um, uh, first, you know, what's a new archer? Before You don't have a bow. You want to get a You're interested in archery. What do you do? And then I, I created a little checklist for them. And, and then I said, well, I need some place to send them. So then I created Archer Talk 101 Facebook group. It's like, Okay, cool. Now I have a place to send them where I can help them out in doing it because, you know, having my own store in 2001, uh, I purchased uh, something called the Tackle Box and not just hunting and, you know, just fishing reels and bait, and, you know, live bait and tackle, but they also had archery in there. And that's when I become a PSE dealer in 2001. And um, I still shoot PSE and, you know, that's I got PSE hat on. Kind of put it on today for a reason, but um, uh, so I, I went down and spent um, a week down in Tucson, Arizona, at their dealer school. I kind of got ahead of myself here with the podcast, but I, I spent a week down there learning how to take bows apart, um, how to make strings, how to make the steel cables. Uh, believe it or not, some of the old bows had steel cables, and you know if one would break, we had to make new ones for them because you could buy the blanks. Now you can't. You can't buy them. I don't think anybody even has them anymore. So if you have both a steel cable on it and it breaks, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much if it it's parts at that time. Uh, so we learned how to make those, learn how to make strings. So when I had my store, I used to make all my own strings. I didn't stock any strings uh, because it wasn't worth my time uh, and money to to buy them because I had the jig. You know, the store already had the jig, and then I got. I got string and, you know, the serving material, the center material and all that. And I, I learned how to, you know, make strings. And I made lots of strings uh, over the over the years. And while I had the shop, you know, a lot of the bows coming in at that time were uh, the ones that you didn't really have to change, those that use the winner's choice string. Uh, there's other string manufacturers out. That's just at the time, you know, back 20 years ago, uh, that was kind of the top of the line string. And they put those on some of the higher end bows. Lower end bows got just something that was uh, mass produced. I watched them down at the PSE school making strings, and, and they wrap it around, and, and the, it spins around them, and they hook it, and 
you know, they make a string in just a matter of, you know, a few minutes and they've got a string all done, you know, where it takes me a little bit longer than that because I'm, you know, hand doing them. I don't have a machine that spins the string and all that kind of stuff. But um, so a lot of the, a lot of the bows would get a new string just because they didn't, they didn't last very long. And I know all my staff shooters, you know, get the new bow in. The first thing we do is make them a string. Because uh, what I used was, you know, higher quality string material. It didn't have a lot of stretch. Some of the original strings would never really stop moving. So you put a peep in and you draw back and you shoot for a while. And next thing it's moving. Then you got to adjust it, move it, adjust it. Or you're putting one of those peeps in. It has a rubber on it that forces it around. And then, you know, the problem with those is now that rubber beats up on your string and then wears it out. You can always see where they hit them because it takes those black strings and turns them white. And, you know, a lot of things like that. So I was able to, you know, tear apart bows and everything else. You know, down at the POC school, we tore the bow down to no two parts were together. You know, so the limbs were off, the limb pockets, we had everything out of them. The bolts were all out. The axles were off. The clips were off. Uh, you know, everything was all in pieces. The strings weren't on it. Uh, everything was apart. So you just had a box of parts. And then you go in, the first thing you do is you put the limbs on, you tighten them down, you put them in the bow press, then you put a little pressure on them. So now you you have, you have can hold them in place So you put the axles on. And then once you get those on, then you start working on the strings and the cables and get those on. And, and you know, then you put your sight back on. And then over the years, you learn how to um, roughly set them up so they're very close just by eyeballing it. You know, one of the things that we learn is, you know, we're, where you put your arrow and then your knock point, you, it needs to be a, at a right angle. Uh, so we would use levels to actually set that. And, you know, so that made it even better. But you can kind of do the center shot, just take your string, center it between your upper and lower riser. And while you're looking at that, you should see straight down your arrow if the point is off left or right and adjust it. So we was able to get them really close. So the low end bows, that's basically how we set them up where we just, we didn't go through a big, you know, big effort and making them perfect. Um, you know, we got them, you really couldn't tell much difference, uh, but you could do that little fine tuning. And then we could always do, you know, changes later. And the reason why we didn't go through a big ordeal and setting them up, because if you change the draw length or change the weight, things can change on you. So we didn't do a super fine tune on them until we was ready to actually set them up. For that person, once we get that set up, then we go through and check everything, you know, put it in a jig, put a little level on it, make sure it's all, all set and ready to go, set the center shot, um, you know, because if they wanted, you know, say somebody got one, but they want a different rest, now we've got to throw this work. So we didn't do a lot of that. We just basically could shoot them and see what's going on. So that's kind of where we went with um, with that. Let's see here. Let's, oh, let's just check to see if I made any comment. And nobody's joined us yet, so uh, as you see, the you know they'd come into the back of the screen here, but that that's kind of you know what we did on the, the shop for a while, uh, you know, in in teaching archery, it's it's a lot of fun, you know. I've I've taken uh, when I had my store, uh, a guy come in, and normally what I would do, a new archer, I'm going to sell him. That time was the Nova bow, uh, which has got plastic wheels and steel cables and you know just single string on it, um, you know. 32, 36 inches, something like that. I forget what it was now, but uh, that's what I would sell them. And I had them both right hand and left hand, and they come in three different draw weights, you know, the the 65 pound and the, the 55 and 45 or something like that. I forget. There's three different weights. And you depend on what it is. So I stocked two right-handers and one left-hander in each one. Uh, so the beginner could come in and they could shoot a bow. I had something to fit, you know, not like now where I'd have to stock, uh, you know, two rights and one left because you can, so adjustable, you know, that's what's nice about the new bows now, you know, then, you know, you were somewhat fixed in, in draw weight and draw length. You could adjust a little bit. Uh, the draw weight was about a 10 pound limit. So if you had a 65 pound max, you can go down to 55, you know, on the 55, you go down to 45 and 45 down to 35. So you could pretty much adjust anybody in there. And, you know, so I, I sold actually, I looked last year I had to store 40% of my bows were left-handed. It's like, well, why would you sell? Why, how come 
because I was the only archery store that stocked left-handed bows for beginners. Nobody else had them. And, and if you're, you're left-handed, you want to come in, you want to shoot a left-handed bow, right? Uh, it's just like, you know, we're right-handed uh, and all the bows were left-handed. We wouldn't, it wouldn't feel right for us. And, you know, you know let's say right-handed, left-handed, it's actually, which is your dominant eye. Uh, so that, that can, can vary. So you might be right-eye dominant, but left-eye, uh, right-handed, but only left-eye dominant. So it can change. And, you know, that's just something, you know, we learn, we go through. And that's one of the things that I, you know, brought out for the beginner. You know, you need to know this stuff. So when you get to the store, the archery store, you know, if they're asking the right questions. Uh, so after shooting for a while, you know, learning the back tension relays. And then now then as I'm teaching, um, you know, I have I had one guy come in. Uh, he was he was he was a beginner, had never shot a bow before, wanted to shoot a bow before. You know, I was gonna show him, you know, the the Nova bows, the low-end bows. And, you know, because he didn't want to buy a second bow later, he wanted a high-end bow. So we sold the high-end bow. And what I did with all my bows that I sold, not only were they set up as part of the purchase price, but you also got shooting instruction. You know, I figured if you shoot better, you're going to stay with it. You stay with it, you're going to come back and get more parts. You know, as you're going to get more arrows, you're going to upgrade your rest, your sight, or something. You know, so you're going to come back in there. And I wanted you to shoot and enjoy the sport because I wanted to stay in the sport. Uh, so I taught him how to shoot, got his bow set up for him, showed him how to shoot. Two weeks later, he's, he comes to me and says, uh, I wrecked an arrow. He got a Robin Hood two weeks after he shot his first bow. For two weeks is all it took him to get his first Robin Hood. And no, can we do that all the time? No. Have I done it? Uh, yeah, I've done it several times, but I don't like shooting single spots because it wrecks too many arrows. So, um, yeah, I've done that. And, you know, after I closed my store, I worked at Bass Pro, worked at Cabela's, both in their archery department. And I had one guy come in and and he was grouping about six inches. It was his group, tightest he could group. So we spent about 45 minutes with him and shortened his draw length because it was too long, which generally most of them are, um, and shot him how to shoot. I taught him how to shoot. And in 45 minutes later, now he was grouping in about inch and a half to two inch groups. And how much fun are you going to have doing that? You know, I've done a lot of teaching on, on that. And one of the things that I have done is I've incorporated a little bit of the martial arts into my instruction so that I teach slightly different than a lot of people teach. I don't teach an open stance because uh, what happens for me anyway is as I'm pushing my heart, my hand to the target, I want it to go. So when it goes off, it's not locked out. It goes to the target. So but those that you can't hear, but uh, those that see, as my hand goes off, if I'm aiming at the camera, my hand goes off, I'm going to go straight to the camera. If it doesn't go to it, then I'm pulling it off somehow. I don't hang on to bows. Uh, that's why you put a sling on them. So you don't have to hang on to the bow. If I shoot a bow and it has a violent jump forward, I don't have a sling on it. Well, it's going to end up on the floor. Uh, I almost did that once. I forgot I was shooting another bow that wasn't mine. It didn't have a sling on it. It was one of the store ones. And I shot and it when it hit my fingers, then I, I was like, oh, I better grab that after it hit my fingers. But the arrow's already gone at that point. Um, you know, so there's just a lot of things that I teach slightly different. Uh, and when I like to teach, I like to tell you why I'm telling you to do this. Uh, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll get somebody teaching, well, just do this. Well, why? Well, because I said so. And that's not a valid answer. Um, over the many years of teaching martial arts and teaching archery, you know, I've kind of merged the uh, martial arts experiences I have into the archery, which helps me out with the, uh, you know, the why, because it's all, it's all body mechanics and that's all it is. And in learning those, and that's kind of where, where I'm at with that. And, you know, back to the story of, uh, you know, I started a podcast, you know, once I started the podcast, uh, then I was doing it just myself. It was just me on here once a week. I'd come on and I'd have different information, you know, like, 
like I said, the first one is, you know, what do you do if you want to get a bow? Um, you know, one of the first things you want to know is, well, why do you want a bow? You know, is it because you watch Hunger Games and you thought it was cool, want to try it? Or is there some other reason? And then what is it that you want to do with archery? You know, there's there's so many things you can do with archery. Um, I did a history of archery one time and found out it was 64,000 years old. They, they found evidence of archery equipment for, that's 64,000 years old. You know, think about that. It's like archery's been around that long. <laughs> and, you know, of course, it's evolved quite a bit. And, you know, then I went in to teach, you know, other things. You know, what do you do when you get your first bow? You know, how to, how to you know, fletch your arrows, why you want to fletch with feathers or veins. You know, the advantages of both. Um, see, I got into, <clears throat> oh, I'm going to get a drink here. <laughs> you know, I got into some safety stuff, you know, how to judge yardage, you know, how to shoot at angles. Um, just all kinds of different stuff in there. And, you know, then I started doing some interviews and, you know, I'm finding like, this is a whole lot of fun, you know, talking to archers around the world that uh, it's, it, it's, it's real interesting. And I started getting more people on the podcast. So I started going out twice a week. So my podcast comes out in the audio format on Mondays and Fridays. Uh, I use Spotify is where most of them are at. Uh, I post to upload to anchor.fm, which is where I, what I use to post it. And it goes out to other sites, you know, so I get Spotify users, I got Apple users and, you know, listen to that. Well, I wanted to, you know, also use it for someone else. That's why I record them in a Zoom. So we get a video and uh, I upload that to my YouTube channel. Uh, I have a YouTube channel called uh, Learn to Fix It Yourself because, uh, you know, it's not just archery, but it, it might be uh, gardening. It might be all kinds of different stuff that I do out there and, and, yeah, you know, it's what it learned something over the years. I've done so many things. I've learned so many things. You know, my idea was I can learn to do it by the tool for less than I can pay somebody else to do it. Why do I want to pay someone else to do it when I can learn it and have the tool to do it the next time? You know, if you do something once, you know, I may have to do it again and again. And do I want to pay three times when I can pay less the first time and learn? And it's just so much more fun learning stuff. And you know, and now I'm able to pass this on to other people. Um, you know, so some of my videos is like, you're watching me make mistakes left and right. It, well, sometimes the mistakes, you're doing the same thing. And it's like, how did I solve it? And, you know, I, you know, I don't like it. It's just like, okay, no mistakes. Sometimes I filter some of them because they really don't apply uh, to what I'm trying to show. And, then I also uploaded them to the uh, Facebook group. Well, well, back at a say, you know what? I'm going to give the Facebook group an advantage here because I'm going to go live in the group, which I'm doing now. I'm going live in the Arch Talk 101 Facebook group, uh, as well as recording it to use on the the Spotify or the the podcast, as well as upload to my YouTube channel. And one of the things that we can encourage you to do is make comments, uh, you know, in the show. You know, if you're listening to this and you have a question for us, go ahead and question us. And like today, you know, I went ahead and put a link in the group uh, for the podcast to join the podcast. Uh, so if somebody wants to come in, you know, you're welcome to come in and and, and join us. Um, you know, some do, you know, some do. Sometimes we get comments, sometimes we don't. Uh, it, it just, uh, are things out there. And I know you get modified. There are not not modified. <laughs> you get notified when I put one out um, just because it's, uh, uh, that's the way, you know, when you go live, everybody gets notified that you went live. Uh, so that that's kind of what what I've been doing. And, you know, I just enjoy talking with archers, you know, from all over the world. Uh, I've talked to several in, in several different countries. And the nice thing about like the uh, the group is all over the world. There's people in uh, countries that I have to do a Google Maps on it to figure out which country they live in. And And it's just, it's one of those sports that, you know, if you have a bow in your hand and you're an archer, they're automatic a friend. And a lot of us archers like to talk to, talk about archery. Uh, we like to help you out. Uh, when I become an NFA archery instructor, which after the, the instruction for how to shoot, then it has another whole class that we had on actually how to be an instructor. You know, the differences between you know learning it and teaching it is a little bit different. Then more you teach it, the better you get at teaching and the more 
you, you teach, the better you get, the better you get, the more you get to teach. And, you know, just kind of big cycle is like, it's so much fun. Um, so that's just kind of um, where I've been. And, you know, now it's, uh, this is one of the things that I focus on is, is doing the podcast because I enjoy doing it. Um, you know, and then I create YouTube videos. And then the other thing I do, the only thing else I do is, um, you know, I underwrite multifamily deals for investors so that, you know, I go find the deal and say, here you go, here's a good deal. I present it. And if they like it, they invest. If they don't, well, go find another one. So that's mostly what I'm doing. And it's just so much fun doing this. And I enjoy um, doing this and talking to archers all over the world. It's been kind of a little different talking, you know, about myself here because I really hadn't done that in four. And I thought, well, you know, I have a time when I have a slot that is this one is actually going to come out Monday. Um, I end up with a free time. So I was like, okay, now it's time I can tell you my story and, you know, how I started. And, you know, I still shoot my 2001 PSC Carrera uh, that I got when I went down to the PSC dealer school. And while I had the uh, store uh, come out, the PSC Scorpion, and mine is actually a three-string version. And the one they come out with the next year after I got mine was a, uh, a two-string. It had a single single um, cam on it, where mine has two cams, a control cable, a Y cable, and then a string. And it come out that one, just that one year. And then they dropped that line for some reason, because I think it's a good bow. Uh, that's the bow I have, I set up for doing like 3D shoots or target shoots. It's all for shooting target arrows. Uh, my my uh, Carrera is set up for my hunting arrows because my hunting arrows do not impact like my field tips. But I don't care because I have another bow. You know, I'm lucky I have another bow. Uh, so I have those set up to shoot the field tips uh, on on the the newer bow. The older bow, my hunting bow, is set up to shoot broadheads. And I shoot muzzies. It's the only one I've ever shot. Uh, it it's such a good arrow. Uh, I figured out how to tune them so they I can put them right where I want. I can shoot X's with the broadheads. Uh, the other bow I can shoot X's with the target, but I can't switch them because the target arrows don't fly the same out of my hunting bow, so they don't impact the same spot. But if I do want to practice and not use my broadheads, um, I don't care that they're not impacting where I'm aiming. All I care is that they're grouping the same spot on all the targets because I don't shoot, shoot single spots um, anymore. It's just too expensive. I used to bust knocks on my aluminum arrows all the time and, and break the inserts. I'd shoot double X78s in a 2512. Uh, that's a um, the straightest shaft you could get at the time with double X78s. They were a one and a half thousandths uh, straightness. And just just get the 2512 for you new shooters that don't know anything except carbons. The first number is in 64th, the second number is in thousands. So a 2512 uh, would be 2564th diameter with a 12,000th wall thickness. And you know that's how they designate the old uh, aluminum arrows. Now carbons, they're they're they start off, a lot of them start off with, you know, maybe 100, 200, 280, 340, 40, whatever, whatever the numbers. And as they get higher numbers, they get weaker in spine. PSE, on the other hand, does not do that. Their stiffest spine is their 400. And then 300, 200, 100 is their weakest spine. So you need to know that when you're looking at arrows. And that's part of what we do as, as a, a Botech, as we, Look at the charts. We know what we know what your draw length is. We know how long the arrows are. We know what your draw weight is, and we know the minimum weight we can have on the arrow. You know, either five grains per pound or you know, per pound or seven, depending on if you're doing, you know, which standards you're doing. Um, but no way do you want to go less than five, because what happens if you go lighter than that? It's it's it gets the arrow faster, but also louder. And it's also harder on the bow. So the heavy, heavier arrow is going to be easier on the bow. It's also going to be quieter, but also slower. Um, you know, the old days, we'd put overdraws on our bows because we wanted to get a shorter arrow, shorter brace height, and faster arrows. A lot of the guys that also shoot more than 70 pounds, they'd shoot 
80 pounds, 90 pounds. Um, one of the guys used to hunt with, he shot 90 pounds. Fast arrows, but that's a lot of weight to pull because there wasn't a lot of let off. You know, back then, you draw back and you're holding a good percentage of the compounds, you're holding a good percentage of them. You know, you might have, you know, very little let off. So you're holding, you know, good portion of it, you know, 65% let off as opposed to the 80 you have now. So how that works, let's let's say you're pulling a hundred pound ball. You have 65% let off. Well, you're 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 only letting off 65 pounds. So you're having to hold, you're holding 35 pounds. Well, if you have an 80% let off, you're only holding 20. So that's where the higher let off, you know, and there for a while they went through and it's like, okay, they put an asterisk by you if you had, you know, higher than a 65% let off. And now they've dropped all that because, you know, everybody's shooting, you know, the higher let off foes. Unless you're shooting recurve or compound or, or longbow, there's no let off on those. You know, that's one of the things that uh, uh, they don't shoot the same. Your muscles are not quite the same uh, as you pull back on a traditional type bow. The further you pull, the harder it gets. Uh, bows are rated at 28 inch draw length. So let's say you have a 30 pound bow at 28 inches, what it's rated at and you pull it to 29, you're not pulling 33 pounds, not 30. So it's roughly about three pounds per inch is what that is. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, there's just so many things that I can talk about. I just don't want to take, you know, a long time and talk about them. Uh, so if there's any subjects you want me to talk about, something that you want to learn, Hey, just to just put it in the comments, uh, you know, get a hold of me. You can, uh, uh, if you're watching this on uh, YouTube, put it in the comment. Uh, if you're listening on the, on the podcast, uh, you know, put a comment in there. I, I do look for those as well. And if you're in the uh, archery group, you can always uh, get a hold of me and say, hey, you know, I would like you to talk about this, or I'd like to learn a little bit about this. And, and I'd be glad to put something together and, and help you out. You know, there's, there's, in the group, there's so many different instructors. We all have different experiences. Uh, anywhere from when I had my store, this guy calls me up one time and and says, uh, can you install two rests on my bow so I can shoot two arrows at the same time? Now, there's two other stores, uh, shops in the town, in, in that town at this time. And he it's like, well, why? is you know, why would you want to do that? And he says, well, all the other stores said they wouldn't do it. So I said, well, okay. Uh, stop by after we close and, and we'll play. Because uh, I, I knew he couldn't afford me during during hours, but I was like, I wanted to try it, see what's going on. Now, we was able to set them up. We was able to get, uh, now, they, they were the stick-on type rest because it was not a center shot design riser. So they weren't, Otherwise, it may have had probably something else to do. So I had to stick on rest. And we was able to figure out what's going on. It's using with the release. So we figured out, you know, the best way to put the loop on, best way to set them up. And we was able to get the difference between the impact was at, at most an eighth of an inch at 20 yards. That's how tight was able to get the groups. Finally, after spending about an hour, something like that, you know, playing around with all kinds of different things. And, you know, we can get into, you know, how the best way to set up a loop and we can get into all kinds of different things, you know, how to set them up. There's a lot of things we can get into, uh, but I just want to kind of give you, you know, my history, my background, some of the things that I've been doing, uh, just to kind of get to know me a little better. And that's kind of what we're, we're doing right now is, is just getting to know, um, you know, a little bit more about me. And, you know, I enjoy learning about, you know, Archers, you know, if anybody knows of a, a somebody that's thinking about just starting in archery uh, and haven't got their first bow, hey, let's get him on the podcast. Let's talk to him and, and let's see, you know, go through what we want to look at. Uh, you know, the only, actually, the only requirement to be on the podcast is that we're going to start talking archery. Where we go from there, as you can probably see it on some of the other podcasts, is kind of all open to whatever. Uh, so, um, you know, let's let's get on here and and you know get to know each other and and promote this sport. 
Uh, it, it's such a, a fun sport to do, and it's something that you can do uh, for many, many years. And even when you're too old to pull back a, a traditional bow, you know, you go into compounds. And if you can't do that, you know what? Crossbow. It's it's archery. Um, some may not think it is, but it is archery. Because as we've talked about some of us, my definition of archery is a stick with a string playing on another stick. Now, if anybody has a better definition, that fits, that's archery. That is archery. Because what did it start off with? A stick with a string playing on another stick. You sharpen a point on it and go. Um, that fits recurves, longbows, crossbows, compounds, self-made bows. Um, now a stick could be, I've seen some make them out of PVC. Uh, it, it works. Um, probably not what I would probably use, uh, but you know what? It can be done. Uh, you, you just need to play around with it and go from there. But hey, it's it's been you know, kind of fun talking about, you know, what's going on here. Uh, just, just let me know, you know, how I can help you. You know, that's, that's what I'm doing. That's what I enjoy doing. I enjoy teaching uh, archery um, as everything else, you know, I want to help archers out. And, you know, over the years, I've learned a lot of stuff and I just wanted to be able to, you know, pass it on. And, you know, that's, that's one of those things that, Hey, we're, we're all having fun. If you're not having fun, you know, do something different because this is a fun sport. Uh, yeah. Not saying there's not challenges. There's challenges every day, just trying to figure out what's going on or getting the time to do it. Uh, or, or like me working on a bow and I got so many things going on. I don't have my bow fixed up, you know, so I got to work on that. You know, who's, who's the last bow to get worked on the bow tax. <laughs> you know, that that's, that's kind of how it goes. You know, it seems like, you know, when I need the string it took on my hunt bow, it ended up taking me about three years to finally get to it because it's doing other things. So anyway, I can help. Just let me know. And it's been, you know, great talking with you guys and uh, let me know how I can help you. My name is Roy Canterbury and I've been the host today on Archer Talk 101 and we'll talk to everybody later.